Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for February 27th. How is everyone doing today? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF 21 Sports on Twitter, at ETOF 21 Sports underscore for all your sports betting needs on Instagram, at ETOF 21 Sports underscore fantasy for the five things about yesterday and my daily sports takes. How's everyone doing? I mean, I'm here in the shy. Supposed to be 50 degrees today in February. After the shitty weather we've had, I cannot complain at all. Want to apologize. I was not around last weekend. Like I said, nephew's birthday. One of them turned two on Sunday. Other one turned six Wednesday. Went there. Had a little birthday party with them. So yeah, spending time with the fam and fam, of course, takes priority number one. Went sledding, and the kid threw out his back, and I'm not going to lie, getting old fucking sucks. <laughs> I am getting up there. I am getting old. I am not the spring chicken I used to be, but that is for another time where I can tell you guys how old and broken down my body actually is. Today, you know, let's dive right into it. Great show today. You know, I'm going to talk about this NBA Top Shop stuff. I'll talk a little J.J. Watt, talk a little... Russell Wilson, talk a little Denver Nuggets, talk a little NASCAR and NASCAR wet betting and fantasy with Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports who will be joining us and we'll be running through bets, fantasy plays, everything, you name it, we'll be diving into it. So let's let's dive right into it. The first thing I'm going to talk about is this whole Top Shot thing. What is top NBA Top Shot? It's a digital cut of a highlight that allows the fans to buy or sell the highlight. And basically, an easy way to think of it, it's kind of like a digital basketball card. Each card, like I said, contains a highlight. You buy a pack. The price of these packs, you know, range anywhere from nine to two hundred thirty bucks. You get cards in your little virtual wallet. You can list these cards for sale and, you know, other people can buy them if they want to. There are some of these cards that legitimate are being sold for 100 k Let me repeat that. There are people buying a digital highlight, which is in sense a digital basketball card, for $100,000. Just let that sit in. We're in the middle of a depression People may want may want to, not to admit it, but the pandemic caused the depression here in America, and we have people spending a hundred k on a digital basketball card. Just let that sit in. Just let that sit in. That's my first issue with this whole thing. I mean, how can you, as a person, justify spending a hundred k for a fucking digital cut of a highlight? Blows blows my mind, and. Another thing what I found out is Top Shot, let's say you get whoever, I don't know, I'm not a, a member of the Top Shot community and I never will be. Let's say you get one of these rare cards, somebody that's worth some money or whatever, and you sell it, you buy a pack for 230 sell a pack for 5 k You can't withdraw money right now. Let, let that, you, you can't withdraw money. So I have money in my account and I can't withdraw it. Imagine if you will, you go to 
Chase Bank, PNC Bank, you know, what, whatever. Bank of America, whatever bank you use. And you have a certificate and you want to cash in your certificate. And the bank just goes, ah, you know what? You, you, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. What? Are you, are, are you, are you serious? You, you can't do that? So that's another issue. Like, people are allegedly making all this money doing this, but they don't have access to their money. Which, if you don't have access to your money, are you really making all this money everyone claims to be making? No, you're not. You're not making any money whatsoever. This thing is shady as fuck. And that's what no one is seeing. And really, I don't think anyone has really talked about how shady this is. Now, how did Top Shot get taken off? Basically, they contacted all these quote-unquote DFS influencers. And they get these guys to press the product to you. Now, I've saying it for a while. These people are doing this for financial gain. That's what they're doing. They're pressing this product for financial gain. These quote-unquote influencers in the DFS world have a stake in this company. And by you guys buying these cards and not getting your money back, all you're doing is just lining money in their pockets. This happens all the time. I get approached four to five times a week with sports books claiming to have this great deal for me where if I push you guys to them, they'll give me a cut of your deposit. And I always say no. Why? Because I'm not looking to profit money off of my followers for a shitty product. I look at these fucking sports books and I would only do that if it was a sports book that had serious backing to it. Like Bet Online. I like Bet Online. Bookmaker. Like those two offshore books come to me. Heritage is another one. And they're like, look, Eric, we want you to partner up and we would like you to like get your members or people, your followers to come to us. And we will give you like freaking two percent of every deposit. Yeah, okay, you know what? I would do that because I believe in them and I personally use them. But I get these random, random books coming at me trying to get me to influence you guys to go to them and I Google them and the reviews are awful. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that at all. Because I actually give a rat's ass about you guys and don't want you guys to get screwed over. And Top Shop, the influencers that are doing this, all they care about is their money. They're invested in the product, and they're getting a cut of you buying something. And let's face it, five, ten years from now, this digital cut, is this going to be worth anything? You guys could be spending so much money on better things right now. And you're spending 100 day on a 100K on a fucking basketball highlight? Really? Really, that's what's going on? That just blows my fucking mind. I mean, that... The whole thing blows my mind. It's going to be gone within a couple of years at most. And, I mean, the NBA is tied to them as well. So when this class action lawsuit comes out, which, let's face it, you can't withdraw your money. It's so it's only a matter of time. 
the NBA is going to be screwed because in the class action, you can go against anybody for their money. So all these people that came up with it who don't have the financial backing of the NBA, obviously, the NBA is going to end up flipping the bill for all those people that invested, that put money down in this Top Shop website. Top Shop website. So it's a big clusterfuck. I went to their website and I was like, you know what? Let's look at it. Try to sign up. See what it's all about. They're not allowing anyone else to sign up right now. And then on top of that, they announced these releases where they're releasing 5,000 digital packs. You have so many people signing up for it, people can't get in line. So it makes zero sense. You have NBA players pushing the products now who we all know are getting paid to push the products who and those guys can get packs. You have people who finally do get a pack. When it's their turn in the queue, they can't buy their pack in an air and they get put to the end of the line. So the whole thing is just a clusterfuck. End of the day, avoid NBA Top Shop. Now, let's transition to another one more NBA thing. And then we'll go to a little football and then we'll go to a little uh, NASCAR. So I say all the time there's people in the league that don't know basketball, but they are professional basketball players. Perfect case in point, the Denver Nuggets. I don't know if y'all remember, but Game 7, last year against the Jazz, Mitchell drives, ball gets poked away, Jamal Murray has it, Nuggets are up by 2, 12 seconds left. Murray is one of the best 3-throw shooters, if not the best 3-throw shooter in the league. Murray pushes it up, dishes it to Craig, who misses the layup. And I'm watching this unfold, I'm like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Keep the ball in your hands, make him follow you, go to the line, seal the game, whatever. Craig misses a layup. Kindly pushes it up. Kindly misses a three to take a, to win the game. Donovan Mitchell open in the corner. Not really sure if they could have got, got it to Mitchell in time with the clock situation to get the shot off. But Murray doing that really questioned, like, does this kid know how to play basketball? Or is he just naturally talented shooter because his dad made him take all those shots? Really questioned that because that was an awful basketball play. And that game should that, that play should have knocked him out of the series, out of the playoffs. And you could tell afterwards, Jokic was like, dude, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, when they interviewed it, Joker after the game, he was like, what what just happened? So, I really questioned that. Then fast forward a couple nights ago. Wizards down by two. Three on one fast break. Jamal Murray stops at the three-point three line. Michael Porter Jr. goes to the corner. And the I'm spacing the other guy. Like, they pass it in and they shoot the three. Why the hell, A, isn't Porter Jr. diving to the rim, or B, Jamal Murray driving to the rim? You guys want to know what's wrong in Denver. A, I really don't think they have a lot of people that know how to fucking play basketball, besides Joker, because the fact you're on a three-on-one break, you're down two at home, and you don't drive it to the rim or dive to the rim if you're Porter Jr., Shows me you have no idea the game of basketball and you're just out there. Porter Jr. said something something after the game. Well, if I, you know, would have made it, you would you, people, it would have been a mute point. Are you fucking kidding me? It, it would not have been a mute point, dude. People would have been talking about that. And I said it. I've been a huge Porter Jr. guy. Let me let me take that out. But I said the drop off from Grant with everything that Grant does to. Porter is bigger than people realize. People got a hard on for Michael Porter during the playoffs last year, and rightfully so. He played well. 
But when you look at everything Grant can do on the defensive end and just knowledge of the game, and now on the offensive end, now since he's given an opportunity to Detroit, that drop-off is pretty fucking big. And I guarantee for a fact that if that was Jeremy Grant instead of Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant would have dove to the rim and that game would have gone to OT. That was inexcusable. Right now, the Nuggets are sitting at the seventh seed playing some pretty bad basketball. Hopefully during the all-star break, they can kind of, you know, get rejuvenated, kind of figure it out. But yeah, this team has a lot of issues and you have a lot of guys on that that want to get paid and want to move on. But at the end of the day, they just don't have dudes that understand the game and they're losing games because people not because players not understanding the situation now two big free agents household names in the nfl are uh, one's one's out looking for a job the other one is um request about trade actually i'll talk about deshaun watson too i was initially just going to talk about jj watt and russ russell wilson but I'll, I'll i'll add deshaun in there first of all Watt. Watt isn't the player that he once was and that's what happens when these guys at the end of their careers they're done at one city people tend to remember them during their quote-unquote glory years now Watt, three-time nfl defensive player of the year without a doubt you know during his heyday great getting into the quarterback but that was years ago i mean that was really years ago years ago three years ago i missed the whole season last two years he's had four sacks and five sacks so that's what you're getting <laughs> like you're getting at tops a five sack guy and is that guy going to be the guy that really quote unquote moves the needle for the defense and then john clay is reporting numerous teams I mean, yeah, maybe you want him to come in and be a situational pass rusher, which he is at this point of his career, a situational pass rusher. But that's it. He's not the J.J. Watt of old, and we need to realize that. I'm seeing all these posts online, and people are, like, jocking him up to something he was years ago. He's not that player anymore. I'm sorry, guys. J.J. Watt is not that player anymore. I'm seeing all this talk about him going to the Packers. I know the Packers... Only 82 sacks last two years, and they've made it to the title games, and they really need a dominant pass rusher because our defensive line struggles to get to the quarterback. Now, are you telling me that that's going to be J.J. Watt? No, it's not going to be J.J. Watt. Because J.J. Watt, A, can't get to the quarterback like he used to, and he's not going to draw double teams, that will, which will make people better. Case in point, there's a... Uh, Campbell from the Ravens. The thing that makes Campbell good is he draws double teams, which make people around him better. He doesn't necessarily get all the tackles, all the sacks and whatnot, but he draws double teams, and that's what makes people better around him. Watt's not going to do that. So I think that would be foolish for the Packers to sign him and you know expect that they're going to get the J.J. Watt of a couple years ago. Same thing with the Bills. Bills only had 38 sacks last year. You know, they really needed somebody that could have got to Patrick Mahomes in the AFC title game. Is that going to be J.J. Watt? <laughs> like, I mean, what? Wait, what? Like, how is that going to be J.J. Watt? J.J. Watt doesn't move the needle for me at all. And he won't do anything for the Bills. 
And then you hear all these rumors about the Browns and the Titans. What are the Browns and Titans' biggest issues? Their secondary. Their secondary is awful. I mean, hell, my fat ass could go down and get 10 grabs for a buck 20 against them. But let's put in, bring in J.J. Watt, because obviously that's where the issue is. It's, I don't know. I, In my opinion, if Watt was smart, he'd take a discount. He'd go to Tampa, take a discount, and, oh, my God. Go to a t- another team. It's not going to be the. It's not going to be the Chiefs, guys. I'll 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 write up why the Chiefs won't be getting the Super Bowl again. But uh, an AFC team that he thinks could win it all. I top maybe the Colts. Like take a discount, go to Indy, be a situational pass pass rusher. That would be it. But to for any team that's paying JJ Watt fifteen to sixteen million dollars a year, I can tell you right now, you ain't winning shit. I mean, you may make the playoffs, but I can tell you right now, you are not winning a Super Bowl with J.J. Watt paying him that much money and if you expect him to be your number one pass rusher. Now, in turn, I'll stay with the Texans. Watson met with the coach, um, David Curie. I mean, Chris Broussard had this thing on us on Twitter, but... It's like he just doesn't understand. The guy in charge of the Texans, um, what is his name? Esterby. That guy's a racist piece of shit. And Watson just doesn't want to play there with that guy in charge. So Broussard wanted this big rant about how they should force him to play. And then if he retires and he came back, Texans would have his rights. I mean, let's be honest. At this rate, who the fuck wants to go to the Houston Texans? You have the two best players in franchise history, Watt and uh, Watkins, one out. And it just makes zero sense why, if you're a player, you would want to go there. The The only coach they could get is someone from the Ravens, Corey, who, like, they know it was on nobody's fucking radar. Are you fucking kidding me? And it, it's just a train wreck. So... I expect Watson to be traded, my guess, Miami or New York, no brainer. But if the man, if he gets traded to Miami and Miami's able to get out of the true to a train wreck, that'd be a home run fucking done for that Miami coaching staff and front office. If they're able to get out of Tua and get Watson, wow, that'd be insane. Next guy, Russell Wilson. Now I said it a while ago. Wilson had a thing in his contract where he needed to be traded a couple weeks ago. So he's obviously not going to be getting traded this year. Obviously not. A list came out. The The list said Dallas, Saints, Bears, Jets, Raiders were teams that he'd be interested in going to. Really? Like, if you're interested in winning, you want to go to the fucking Chicago Bears with that offensive line, which is worse than Seattle's offensive line? That's where you want to go? You want to go to the Raiders? Fine. Raiders, okay. You know, they're they're an up-and-coming team. Saints, losing Breeze, okay, I get it. Dallas, okay, yeah, great offensive line. Jets, okay, you know, good offensive line. Eh, the decent offensive lines. Need, needs, they got backed in, and they could, if the Jets are smart, they draft my boy Sewell from Oregon, but I really think they're going to take a quarterback this year. But that would be a mute point if uh, Russ goes there. So I just... If you're if you're Seattle, why the fuck would you do this? The, you guys have to remember, Seattle chose Matt Flynn 
over Russell Wilson. They gave Matt Flynn this elaborate contract because Flynn balled out the last couple games in Green Bay, and then they just kind of backed into Wilson the sixth round of the NFL draft. And then in training clamp, Wilson played better, and he got he got the job. So, like, I just don't – what Wilson has done for that franchise, there's no way they can be that idiotic and say, hey, look, it's us. It's us. Wilson's just a system type guy. No. You guys were in, irrelevant without Russell Wilson. Do all you can to make Russ happy and get this ship going in the right direction. It's, it's that fucking simple if you're Seattle. And plus you have to remember, when you guys see these articles come out, it's either the team or someone associated with the player leaks the story. That's how it works. And it's whoever benefits them. So obviously... Russ's camp leaks, oh, you know, unhappy, you know, wants to get traded. Russ comes out, oh, no, 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 I don't want to get traded. I don't want to get traded. Maybe, maybe you know. Yeah. And the whole thing is just weird to me. I think it's just a power play by Russ. I really don't see Russell Wilson going anywhere. Now, I want to dive into some NASCAR. So we're going to talk to Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports. So now let's welcome Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports back to the show. Brando, how you doing, my man? Doing good. How about yourself? Well, dude, I mean, one of us, that being you, said expected a big year from the 20, Christopher Bell, man. Uh, let's hear it. Let's do the victory lap, my friend. Yes, no, it was huge. Um, I know you played it as well, so big play on your part and big play for anybody that follows you and took that advice. Uh, odds on my end when I grabbed him were 55 to 1, so it was a good little day the other day. And uh, he's in better equipment. And he's with the Gibbs organization, and they're feeding him. So, huge tire strategy on his part that uh, made him run down Logano. And anytime Logano can lose a race, I'm a happy man. So, the race wasn't without some controversy with Chase Elliott. Why don't you just touch on that real quick? So, as we know, Chase has dominated road courses for the last year, almost two years. He was going to win his fifth road race in a row, first time to ever be done. And with about 13 to go, part of the track was getting sprinkles of rain. Where I was frustrating, frustrated as a Chase Elliott fan, the, every team had a set of rain tires or multiple sets of rain tires to where they, they could use them at any point that they chose to. Well, with 13 to go, Chase had a, a huge lead. Nobody was catching him. It was over unless he made a big mistake. And NASCAR throws a mandatory caution to allow teams to come down and get rain tires. Now, a lot of them didn't. Chase and other drivers came down and got fresh tires. Some guys decided to stay out. I think as NASCAR, if you're going to allow these teams to have slick tires, sticker tires, rain tires, just a, just a majority of tires or cluster of tires, let the teams decide, you know what, it's raining a little much on this side of the track. I want you to come in and we're going to put rain tires on. Don't throw a caution to completely stop the race and change any type of strategy that's been going on. So... I know some other people may feel different. I'm glad it happened for my wallet. I'm upset it happened as a fan. But NASCAR, let these teams, they're, they're pros for a reason. Let them make their own decisions. Don't you dictate the race by pulling a mandatory caution. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, having 60-1 to 1 on a good race car driver is great, but you hate to win a bet on the expense of somebody else getting screwed over, and that's exactly what happened. Um, so 
we talked about this pre-show about one of the uh, angles I like is I kind of like to fade Bell this uh, this next tomorrow. We're recording this on Saturday, the twenty seventh. Um, the one matchup that's posted and more will be posted obviously tomorrow morning is Bell against Tyler Reddick. What do you think about taking Reddick at that at minus one twenty one odds? I like it because uh, they're both they're both even on the money line to win the race at plus thirty three. So they're both when they're doing head to head, they've kind of got them right there. I said Bell's going to have a big year. Um, he historically has been decent at this track, but Reddick's due for one. He's had two bad races in a row. Um, I do to what we've talked about. I see Christopher Bell over these next two races just trying different strategies for the playoffs. Because for those of you that may be new to NASCAR. 16 drivers get into the playoffs. If you win, you are in. So there's no pressure on Christopher Bell for the remainder of the season. So you're going to see these guys already have wins like him and Michael McDowell. Just go out on a limb and pull different strategies. No tires, two tires, gas only, um, shortstop, long run. You're going to see a lot of things. So I'm with you. I would absolutely put my money on Tyler Reddick to win head-to-head against Christopher Bell. Yeah, because, I mean, you hit it on the head. They have not, these guys have nothing to prove. They're in the playoffs. Why, you know, take a gamble on something, like you said, and see if it works out. Looking at the top 15 from February of uh, 2018, I'm just going to read some names. You tell me if you like them or not. I I have locked in Ty- Kyler Bush at uh, 10 to 1. What, uh, what do you think of him? This week. You can't go against it, and it's very far few and beyond where you get that man anywhere 10, 10 to 1 or higher. Um, he's 8 to 1 on Bovada. Um, he's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. He's the sixth favorite driver to win the race. I like it. I mean, anytime you get a double digit for $1 payout with a guy that's dominated most races most of his career, I would absolutely grab him. His value is huge. Now, it seems to me like Tyler Reddick is the hot driver this week from everything I've seen on Twitter and whatnot. What do you think of Tyler? Um, he, he doesn't have the best equipment. Um, but again, you're looking at 33 to 1. And if everybody's talking about him and everybody's breathing on him. And if you notice with NASCAR, usually the guy that's talked about most of the week, he does something. He may not win the race. But he'll have a good performance. Um, but he's sitting at thirty-three to one on Bovada. Not sure what you have on yours. Um, I'm looking at DK right now, and he's twenty-two. Yeah. See, so that tells you something right there. Is Christopher Bell also twenty-two on that? Twenty-five. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I like Reddick again. It, it goes to show what we've talked about a hundred times. You don't have to go with a driver that has low value and high odds to win. It's good to take a guy like a like a Reddick or a Bell or a Byron, any of those guys, twenty to sixty to one odds. It doesn't hurt. And you hit it on the head. I mean, Michael McDonald was a hundred and one shot. Bell was a 61, 60 to one shot. So there has been some huge prices coming in to start the season. So. I mean, don't just be laying the favorite right now is what? Denny Hamlin at plus 500? Don't be laying the favorite, guys. You know, find a price you like, and, you know, if you like it, and it's a great price, definitely, by all means, play it. 
What about Mark Truex Jr.? Um, he's always been good at these tracks. He's six to one. Um, he will be competitive. He's had a couple races now that he just hasn't had luck. And a guy like him is usually consistently in the top five. And for him to have a couple off races, you expect him to jump back. And, I mean, we talk about it every time and sound like a broken record. Anybody can win the race, period. But a six-to-one odds for a guy that does well at these style of tracks, I like him. The, the one that I'm really sold on that I'm locking in for sure is right behind him, uh, Kyle Larson at 750 to one. Oh, what is I, he on DK for you? Um, DK, he is at plus 900. I love that. I'm, I'm huge. So, Homestead is, you, you ride the rim. It's the top, they ride the wall the entire race. And you can look for slide jobs and runs off the corners. You also want to try and start guys that are somewhat towards the front. Uh, this week, they're going back to the different aero package and taking the motors from their 750 horsepower to 550. So it's going to be a lot harder to get those runs and pass guys and be able to make up multiple spots at a time. Um, Kyle Larson is famous for being able to ride the wall, keep it on the wall, all race, and be fast all race. So that that's going to be my lock going into tomorrow is Kyle Larson. And I definitely think you can get value because – now, if my memory serves me right, I believe last time he was doing well in the race and his engine blew out. So his historic data is a little askewed at this at this track in Homestead. So I think there's definitely value. I actually locked him in at 10 to 1 earlier nice. earlier in the week. And now you're a big equipment guy. How does his equipment compare in the 5 to what he had in the 42? Um, I think it's better because he moves over to Hendricks, and we talked about it before. I have to take Hendricks as one of the top equipment guys in the whole thing. So you got Chase Elliott, who won the championship last year. You got William Byron, who's been up and down. You got Alex Bowman, who's consistent, and then you have Larson, who had a year off last year, but gets put in some of the top of the line equipment. Now the sponsorship has been struggles getting back on his feet um, since he did have a year off. But Hendricks has definitely put him in good equipment, so that's not a concern at all. And what about your boy, uh, Chase Elliott? He's going to win. He's going to win, guys. No. <laughs> uh, again, he finished second in the 500. He had the race won last week. It was over. I, I'll repeat myself a hundred times. It was over. Nobody was catching him, and he's going about, about to have the second place in the Daytona 500 than a first place on the road. Um, he was not happy last week. I, I definitely see him coming out strong. You know me, though. I don't like putting, unless you're going to drop 50 to to $100 on a guy, those odds are so low and there's so much to risk. I'd rather take, if somebody's thinking about dropping 20 on Chase, I'd rather take that $20 and split it up amongst drivers that are 14 to 1 or higher. Yeah, take take that gamble. And speaking like of... Brian Blank Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Speaking of someone over that 14 to 1 threshold, which I actually locked in at 16 to 1, is Ryan Blaney. Tell me what you think about uh, RB. It should be a good year for him. And once again, he he had some trouble last week. He was, uh, I had him as a sleeper pick in one of my fantasy leagues last week, and it did not pay off. And I had him in DK as well, just for uh, fantasy lineups. 
But uh, yeah, he's he loves these style tracks. It's going to be anybody that can hold that high line. What you're going to run into, what people are going to see and not be happy with, you're going to since they don't have practice. These guys are going to try to stay off the wall, but as soon as they feel comfortable, they're going to start riding where that wall is because that's where all the speed's at. Um, if you watch the Xfinity race today at 4.30, you'll see it. Um, but you're going to have guys scrub the wall. They're going to lose the arrow. They may cut a tire down. So there's a lot of a lot of risk at this track just because everybody wants that high line. But when you ride that wall, any little blip in the gas or not turning enough, you're going to scrape the whole right side off the car. And now, one of the guys I bet to win a group at plus three hundo, Austin Dillon. Um, what do you think about Dillon this week? I love what he's been doing this season. Um, when it comes to these these mile and a halfs, like he's at, um, he hasn't really been known to do that well. Um, his odds are forty to one. He's right in the middle of the group, but uh, I can't be mad at him, and I can't look away from him. Based off, based off of how he has started the season. Um, he may carry the momentum. We may see the good old-fashioned Austin Dillon that drops to the back, but the man's got a lot of confidence and is running a couple good finishes. I have him in group four to win group four at three to one. It's Almarello, Bell, and Kurt Busch. What do you think of that bet? Bell and Kurt. I like it. Your boy Kurt's good at these tracks, too. Yeah, yeah. So him at forty to one as well might be another one that I lock in just as a small percentage. Um, but yes, I do like that bet. I do like Austin. If I had to side, I'd go with your boy Kurt out of that group. If I didn't do Austin. Now, what about Logano? Logano's obviously like done. Like you could make a case that he could have won both races, and obviously some bad luck. What do you think about him this week? It's hard for me to even give an opinion because I've had a personal friendship with him before racing, so I'm not a fan of him. But he is another. He's ten to one on Bovada. He's probably what eight on yours. Um, on DK, okay. he he's ten on DK, ten to one. Okay. Uh, he's good at mile and a half as well. The only thing is, he doesn't have his teammate hates him right now. So I don't know how much help he's going to get from Brad. Um, rumor is they did talk it out, but they've had so many issues on the track for years as teammates. I still don't see Brad really helping him much. But uh, you can't count Logano out as much as I can't stand him as a driver, just as a fan in general. The guy, to your point, the guy has the argument of being able to win a race on a weekly basis hypothetically, let's say you're the owner of a team and you have to choose between Logano and uh, Kozlowski. Who are you choosing? <laughs> you wouldn't do that to me. Uh, I'm choosing Logano as much as I don't want to, solely because I, I believe he is younger than Brad. Um, he is a wheel man. He's talented. He's in the mix. Um, I would go with Logano over Brad, even though that just hurts to even say that. Speaking of Brad... Um, you know, he's done decent at this track. You know, he has uh, two top ten finishes in the last uh, three races there. What do you uh, what do you think of Brad this week? Yeah, he's, he's got a fire under him. He had a very embarrassing performance last week, literally not being able to keep the car on the track. 
all over the place, crashing on his own, spinning out on his own. It was not good. Very embarrassing. Um, so I see him coming out, guns a-blazing, trying to uh, make a statement tomorrow. Now, Harvick opened up as the favorite once odds were released on Wednesday, but now Denny Hamlin's kind of drifted up to the favorite of the race. What do you think of uh, Harvick this week? Harvick, he's the closer, man, and he starts he starts fourth tomorrow, so he's already up front. Um, Harvick's also good at these tracks. They He normally likes to run the bottom, so when I say that he's good at these tracks, depending on where they're at, at the mile and a half, if it's a low-line track, he, he's really good at it. But it, this track does come down to tire saving, and he is one of the best drivers when it comes to that. Um, so I definitely see him in the top five towards the end of the race. And what about Almarello? Toss-up. Um, I told you he'd be up there in the 500, uh, which he was, and got just completely destroyed early on, which uh, we were texting back and forth. That big one happened a lot earlier than any of us ever expected. But um, I just don't see – I don't want to use lack of talent because – you're one of 43 drivers in the world that's able to do this on a weekly basis, but I'm, I'm not a fan of his tomorrow. He may be up front or towards the front at the end of a certain stage, but that's all I'm giving him. What about Cole Cluster? I have him at plus 295 in group five. That's Briscoe, Bubba, and Maddie D. I kind of like Cole to get a top 10 finish this week, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, he uh, he's due for one. I'm trying to think where he got his first win last year. I'm drawing a blank right now. His first and only win was at a track somewhat similar to this. So he's another guy that likes to ride the wall. So I, I, I do like him. I like him in that group. Um, and I think there's a possibility he could he could be in the running towards the end. I would definitely not put him in for a win. But so far, we've seen two guys we didn't expect to really do a whole lot on paper, besides me thinking Christopher Bell would have a breakout year. They both locked up him and Michael McDowell playoff spot already. Yeah, Cole Custer, he's just, I don't know. Like, looking back at it, he's average finish on intermediates is through 8 through 15. So just based on that is kind of why I like him. Um, now let me throw throw out some head-to-heads to you. Oh, before we get to head-to-heads, um, some I don't use the term bottom feeders, but I'm going to write off some guys that are 60 or higher, 60 to 1 or higher. Tell me uh, tell me if you like them. Uh, we'll start with Bubba. Bubba at 61 plus 215 top 10. No. Uh, no. Eric Jones? Yes. 100 to 1? Yes. Uh Three to one for a top ten. See, that tells me I hate to always use the terminology. Vegas knows something because, uh, granted, it hasn't happened. But the fact that you have him at a hundred to one to win the race, but you said he's three to one for a top ten. Yeah. Does that not spark something to you? Like you, you think so bad of him of winning the race, you've got him at a hundred to one. But you're you're almost guaranteeing a top ten by three to one odds. But Newman has the same odds though, so I think it's kind of just the number system that DraftKings does with this. 
that's true. Um, I do like Eric. Definitely for a top 10. What about Ross Chastain? 150 to 1 plus 375 for a top 10. I think he's struggling with the transition from Xfinity to Cup. He has not shown me anything in that 42. The 42 is not bad equipment. Um, he just hasn't really shown me anything. Now, granted, we're talking a super speedway and a road course, which anybody can win the super speedway, and there's only a few guys good at the road course. But um, with how high the value is, I would absolutely throw throw small amount of money at him. But I do like those odds. What about Daniel Suarez? 350-1 to one to win it, plus 650 for a top 10. I don't see it happening. I think these mile and a half is where you're going to see that team struggle a lot. I know they I know they get a lot of their stuff. I believe, and somebody could bash me if I'm wrong, but I believe they get some of their parts from uh, Gibbs. But I do not see them being competitive whatsoever, and that's why he is sitting in that 350 to 500 range odds with Chris Busher, Michael McDowell, Anthony Alfredo. Corey LaJoy at 750 like unless something catastrophic happens or it starts raining over halfway and they call the race and those guys are out front based off of pitting and the cycle through I, I, I would not touch that what do you think about Suarez as a driver I mean he did great in the Xfinity series came up was in the uh, 19 if I believe and then just could never get it together like what, what what's your overall picture of him I think he's a great driver. Um, I don't think he's been given enough time. And when I say that, when these guys are bouncing different crew chiefs, it's like a football coach. If you're if you're a quarterback and you're having to deal with three different coaches in four years, it's going to be a struggle for you. It's not just, for whatever people think, it's not just these guys climbing in the car and saying, ooh, it's handling good, it's handling bad. Your crew chief is your coach. He is coaching you through the entire race, telling you what other guys are doing telling you your pit strategies, your time, how you're doing. If you don't have that kind of support, you're struggling. I mean, Kyle Busch, last year, what, won one race. Guess what? Crew Chief was gone the next year. It's because those guys play a lot bigger role than people think. So as a driver, I really, really like Suarez. What about, um, you mentioned his name, Anthony Alfredo, 9-1 to for a top 10. I mean, is he just up against the wall with the equipment he's in, has no chance of a top 10, or...? No chance at all. Um, I love the guy. I've personally talked to him probably 30 different times on iRacing. I usually race against him on a weekly basis. Great guy. Great driver in general. The equipment is not there. He has no chance. There. When you when you start, when you get to that Suarez point, like I could see Newman at 200 to 1 or, or Stenhouse at 200 to 1 or even who you said, Chastain. Maybe being able to pull something off, but once you get to the Suarez, McDowell, Alfredo, LaJoy, Justin Haley, Ryan Priest, they're zero opportunity. Zero. Stenhouse, I mean, Mr. Speedway himself. I mean, ever since he dated Danica Patrick, he's always in a special place in my heart. 450. Touche. Plus 450 top 10. I mean, historically, you know, he's... He struggled at um, at the intermediate tracks. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Average finish of 18.33. I mean, any what do you, what do you think of him? Any chance of the top ten? 
if you want to throw people you can laugh or the top 10 ah, i rather throw four or five dollars on his odds of winning the race at 200 to one before i would throw 10 or 20 dollars on a top 10 and speaking of that why is that important because at daytona i took maddie mcdonald plus 350 at 10 to 1 threw a c note on him didn't even bother putting 10 bucks on him at or 25 bucks half a, a quarter of a unit 25 bucks on him to win it all and i'm kicking myself because i think he went off at 110 100 to 1 so i totally I'm agree with what you're saying that i didn't even throw a dollar on him like Usually, I know it sounds like pennies to a lot of people out there in the gambling world, but if you're able to, on whatever site you're using, put a dollar, it doesn't hurt to spread out $5 over Stenhouse, Newman, Busher, and Suarez, who are 200 to 400 to 1. It doesn't hurt. And again, I'd rather do that before I throw $10 on a guy with that big odds just to get a top 10 at 3 to 1. Now... I'm going to mention some guys, and it's kind of hard because they only have limited head-to-head matchups up right now. Um, If we can get good odds and fade them in a head-to-head. Matty Benedetto, average finish 20. Would you fade him in a head-to-head? Against, do you have an example of who it would be against? Um, I'll go with like a Stenhouse or a Newman. Um, I would play him. Um, I would play him. Addy against one of those two. Kyle Bush, Ryan Blaney. Uh, what are the odds? Bush minus 157, Blaney plus 120. I'm taking the plus 120. I mean, you got Kyle as a better driver, but we just talked about at the beginning of this. Blaney's due for a good race. So, with that close of odds, I'd rather put my money on the plus. Um,. Joey against Brad. Brad plus 110, Logano minus 143. Brad, only because he is due for a race. And guys, when I say that, unlike other sports where you normally ride momentum, NASCAR is a little bit backwards. You want to grab a guy that's due for one. And I think he's due for a good race. Um, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott. Denny minus 143, Elliott plus 110. They're both 1-2 as favorites to win the race. Um, I don't want to answer. I've been good with my picks, and I, I've been pretty spot on the last two weeks. So the last thing I want to do is throw a softball up in the air and somebody lean towards it. Okay. So that that's a toss-up. I mean, Denny's Denny. Like, I would almost, even as a Chase fan, I'd want to lean towards Denny because he's always there. But then we're talking about the defending champion – who should have finished second first in two weeks. So those are hard for me. They really, really are. Okay, so we'll take a pass. Um, this is a straight pick. Minus 115 on both. Cluster, Chase Briscoe. Cluster. Now, with Chase, because he's in the uh, 14 car. Um, yep. Do you look at, when you're doing your research for this, do you look at historically how the 14 car has done or how historically Briscoe has done when you're... I have, 
I have to go with the driver only because, yeah, the car does make a difference to what we've talked about. But you look at that head-to-head, both of the guys are in the same equipment. They both drive for Haas. So the 41 in Custer and the 14 in Briscoe, they're in the same stuff. So I'm just going to lean at that point who I think the better driver is and who I think is better at that track. And I would absolutely lean Custer. What about Kyle Busch, Joey Logano? Kyle. And lastly, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell. Tyler, all day. We're fading Bell this week, guys. Fading Bell and all head-to-head, boys. Yep. And, hey, <laughs> we it could come back to bite us to the fact that if he does, we talked about before we get on here, Christopher Bell's in the playoffs. He's going to pull out some crazy strategy just to see what works for when they do get in the playoffs. So if there is a rain delay or something happens at the end with crazy pitch strategy that works for him, he can be in the mix. Other than that, there's no shot. Now, you mentioned DraftKings. I'm looking at some low-budget guys. Is there any um, guy that you would fade in DraftKings this week or anyone that's going to be in any, any one of your lineups? Um, so everybody's going to be riding and it's hard not to take them, but I would avoid them just based off of how many people, unless you're doing head to head DraftKings. Um, Kyle Bliss starts 24th. He's good at this track. He's definitely going to make up the, um, position, uh, points, but, uh, everybody and their, and their cousin's going to take him. So you want to try and reach, like I said, like Larson, who's, 10,700 starting 17th. Your boy Blaney's up there. Um, Tyler Reddick is going to be my go-to sitting in 35th spot at 850 for uh, cost. Uh, if I had to fade one person uh, right out the gate, it would be Christopher Bell at 7,600 who starts third. Uh, so we're kind of stuck at fading that guy in almost everything. Yeah. So sorry if you're listening, Christopher Bell. I apologize. But see, <laughs> sports gambling is a week-to-week thing. Kind of like um, after that team in college football has that big win, you're faded on the next week. Same thing. I don't, same thing. I at least I'm doing here with him this week. Yeah, and my strategy in DraftKings that has paid out well for me when it comes to NASCAR is. I don't like taking first or second place at a track like this at a mile and a half. Um, you got Denny Hamlin at 9,600 and Joey Logano starting second at 9,300. I'm not playing either one of them because you're going to have to cross your fingers that they lead a lot of laps because you're not going to get the points or the position differential. Okay. And speaking of DraftKings, DraftKings is scoring a little bit different. Um and it's funny, like right before we got on this, one of the guys that follows me mentioned this. And obviously we can't do it this week because I'm springing this on you last minute. Um, a weekly DraftKings lineup. So next week, you, you, and, you and I come on. We just give out a weekly DraftKings lineup. Absolutely. And then um, also, you, you know, spring this on you too. How about a fictional betting challenge? We'll use the lines from Bovada. Um, we have a fictional 100 bucks. You and I straight up, end of the season, the loser yes. donates $200 to the other person's charity of choice. Let's do it. All right, man. 
So we got a little contest. If you guys have any gambling questions in regards to NASCAR, start sit for fantasy, DraftKings, DM Brandon or myself, and we will gladly answer them. On next week's show, Brandon is going to be a weekly guest here on Saturday, and we're just going to be talking everything fantasy NASCAR, betting NASCAR, the whole nine yards, betting challenge, and DK challenge. Brando, thanks for coming in on this Saturday. Um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Uh, off the post, Boston Sports. The channel's been a little slow right now, guys. A lot's been going on with uh, iRacing, so if you really want to catch me, tune in to uh, twitch.tv. Boston Boy 83. We're up to 200 followers and about 60 subscribers. So it's been a lot of fun. We've been doing giveaways on Friday nights. If you are a sub and we finish on the top five of our money races, I do send out uh, gifts or giveaways, I guess you can call them. But uh, yeah, Boston Boy 83 on Instagram, Twitch, and Off the Post Boston Sports on Instagram and Facebook. Now, a completely question that's not related at all to NASCAR at the beginning of the NBA season if I were to tell you on February 27th that the Knicks and the Celtics had the same amount of wins how how worried would you be um I'd be (laughs) everything Boston my house that had green on it would probably be in the trash can uh there's a big coaching issue going on there. I, I got to put it all on Brad Stevens. I think he's lost the team. Um, I understand Marcus Smart's been in and out of the lineup. Tatum was for a few. Kimba's been in and out. But when you have a starting five of that caliber and you're below 500, I think they're right at 500 now. But there's no reason you should be consistently losing basketball games with that starting five against some of these bad teams that you're losing to. It's uh. I got to put it on coach. I think he's lost the locker room. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I I love Stevens. I think my my Me too. I actually talked about this earlier. Um, I think they're just missing smart, and I really don't think Tatum and and Brown make anyone better around them. No, um, no, and I I'm disappointed in Kimba because I think he has a, a lot more potential that's just not being used. And another thing, now you can chime in on this. Why do you think them treating Isaiah Thomas the way they did has hurt them trying to get free agents? 100%. Because Isaiah even tried to come back this year and he made it publicly known that even though how he was treated, he was willing to come back. And I said to myself, Danny Ainge, if you want to get this bad rap off of your back, whether you need Isaiah or not, you find a way just to get him back in green and come out publicly saying you're glad to have him back and just something to kind of make up for what happened. So your simple question I'm going on a rant about, yes, it completely has screwed Danny Ainge. Sorry, man. Didn't mean to get you all riled up on this Saturday before you crack oh, open some cold Miller lights, man. When you have <laughs> such a good amount of talent that we have waited three to five years to grab because Ainge, when he shipped the big three out, said, give me three or five years and we'll have this team built to make multiple championship runs. And you've got it, and you're not doing that. 
Yeah, I mean, they... frustrating as a fan. They just been, like, I watched, because I had the... I had the Celtics on Wednesday. Like everyone who follows me knows, I had them to uh, to cover against the uh, against the Mavericks. And that defensive effort, the last two Luka threes, was just awful. I mean, definitely Boston needs to make some change. But uh, we'll talk about some Boston sports next time, my man. I appreciate you coming on, taking time off of your day. Next week, the betting challenge starts, and we will have our DraftKings lineup. Thanks for coming on, my man. Thanks, man. Everybody have a good weekend. Thanks to Brandon for coming on. Guys, if you're not following him, make sure you check him out. Also, we're going to be starting a weekly DraftKings lineup, private group. DM me your email. You can get in a contest with Brandon and I. Uh, we'll go winner-take-all. Winner-take-all contest. Brandon and I, one lineup, straight up, winner-take-it-all. DM me if you want to get in it. We're going to start it next week. Be safe, be well. I appreciate everyone tuning in. I'll talk to you guys on Monday.